Interested in real estate? How about wealth? Well, they go hand in hand. And here, you'll learn all about it. Welcome to Be The Bank, a podcast where we discuss and debate the topics centered around real estate investing. Your host, Justin Bogard, shares insights into investing in real estate to create real wealth and passive income for you and your family. He'll share stories of real estate investments done right, walk you through the process of owning a real estate note, and most importantly, educate you so you can be the bank. This is Be The Bank, brought to you by Bright Path Notes. Now, here's your host, Justin Bogard. It is episode number 20, and today we're going to get into what I call the devil's in the details and really discuss how emotion plays into buying uh, seller finance notes and how you can solve a seller's problem and make it uh, to your benefit. So stay tuned. You're not going to want to miss this. Richard Thornton, thanks for being on show episode number 20 today. Mr. Bogard, very uh, pleased as always. I could say you're sporting quite a backdrop there today. I mean, oh, the, yeah. You like this? Oh, uh, man. The big splash. You got the lighting. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's got some interesting artwork behind me. I'm, I'm at a friend's house uh, again, uh, similar to the friend's house, the same friend's house I was at when I was recording, and there was all the Ohio State stuff in the background. Mm-hmm. So I just went to a different place because uh, it was just too much Ohio State stuff for me. So he's trying uh-huh. to convert me from a Purdue Boilermaker to a Buckeye, but I don't I know what's going to happen. I see. Well, you know, so, well. <laughs> I like your artwork in your setting today. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And those of you that are wondering about this artwork, you can go to the Bright Path Notes YouTube channel and you can check out the video cast of this uh, episode number 20 today. So, Richard, how are you today? Is it getting cool where you're at? Because it's very chilly here in Indianapolis. It is. You know, I've got my final shirt on and here in Petaluma, we get what's called the, the morning gloom, which is a marine layer that comes in off the ocean and is actually it's it's what I mean. We're right on the edge of the wine country, and it's what makes um, this area so desirable for wine. And that the days actually get pretty warm, but you've got this cool wet at night. So much so that it's there's actually uh, water on the on the ground in the morning when you wake up. So it's a cool morning. So do that's right. You're three hours behind me. I always forget that. Sometimes I'm I wake up and I'm you know I'm working after a couple of hours and I'm like oh I need to ask Richard a question. And it's only about you know like nine or or maybe nine thirty my time. I'm like oh wait a minute that's really six thirty his time. <laughs> yeah, every once in a while I get a text from the dude. It's six o'clock and I hear it and I go I'm not answering that Are, one. <laughs> can you can you call me? And you're just like it's six thirty in the morning. You're barely awake. Going oh, Jesus, I haven't right. like two cups of coffee yet, man. Come on, that's right. <laughs> So um, today I wanted to get into the, the devils in the details. So there's always some great stories that you have with the seller finance paper that we buy together. And one in particular that has come up recently and that we've actually discussed within the last couple of days is, is one to where the, you give me the information that you get from the seller, right? You give me the, the terms of the deal, the interest rate, how much the selling price was for the house, the down payment, all the details that I need to kind of underwrite it and the address. And so I look it up and I find some information and, and I message you and say, Hey, look, Richard, here's what we could offer for this note here. And Oh, by the way, I see this little foreclosure information 
in 2021 on this deal. And of course, you didn't know about that. And so you take that information, you kind of go to the seller. And I just kind of want to talk quickly about um, how this conversation started with the seller. And, and after I gave you this new information, how that kind of cleared up some missing information and, and what we really saw as the story of what's going on to help uh, the seller out. Yeah, well, I think in general, it's um, good for the audience to know, as you know, that quite often we will talk to people and uh, everything's fine. The note is fine. And then you talk to them a little bit more and they say, well, you know, they really missed a couple of payments. And then you get a little bit further down the road and you find out, well, they haven't really paid me for the last year and blah, blah, blah. So we, we, you get a lot of that, right? In this instance, um, the woman who is a seller was uh, quite scattered, quite frantic. Um, and she had uh, actually got a regular conventional loan, which had been sold. Um, the payments were minimal, but uh, she decided that she wanted to sell the property and she sold it at a quite handsome profit and carried back a note. So, let me, let me jump in real quick. Did she own this house or like, I'm sorry, did she live in this house as her own property? She did. She did at one point. Um, but then she sold it at quite a handsome profit. Somehow the paperwork got messed up though. And the escrows were not being collected. She was supposed to collect the escrows. They were not being paid to her. And they were not being paid to the city. So she had to rescue, even though she didn't open the own the property, she felt that to keep it from going into foreclosure, she had to rescue um, and pay the taxes and insurance herself with no assurance that she was ever going to get paid back. Um, and now the person who she sold it to is shorting her payments. So she's being squeezed there. So she she owned the property, she lived in it, and she resold it to someone else that was going to live there, and she carried back the financing for that property. Right. She wrapped the note that she had been that, that she was uh, being financed under. And she currently, she the seller is currently has a note on the property. So she lived in this property and she had a mortgage on it. Then she resold the property to someone else and carried back financing for them. But she didn't necessarily pay off that first mortgage that she had. She kept it and was using the monthly cash flow coming in from this new person to pay off that mortgage payment every month, plus keeping whatever's left over for herself. Right. She So she wrapped that. But even though she was able to keep some money for herself, the escrows weren't being paid, the taxes and insurance. So then she had to take that money and pay the taxes and insurance. So she was really in a, a double bind. Right. So she was getting, like you said, she was getting squeezed from both sides. Right. <clears throat> so going into it, we didn't know that. We didn't know any of this. And you know, on top of this, I think she's a little bit short of cash in general. And that's why she wants to sell the note. Right. So her emotions are very high. Her need is very high. We don't want to overly capitalize on her distress and we won't, but we still want to get a good deal. Okay. So you gave me the information and I gave you a price because our assumption was at that point, 
it was a performing loan and we know no different and the borrower is current. And so we priced it as if we were purchasing a performing loan, which isn't a huge discount, but it's just a discount that makes us comfortable based on what the down payment was and what the value of the property is today. And I think you and I both look at the property. I think it's worth, let's just say $150,000 today. And I think right. the borrower owed, I want to say something like $110,000. Does that sound about right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, so she, she owes on her debt around $50,000 on her mortgage. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. And so there is a taxes and insurance on top of the principal and interest payment that they make. So let's just say that's, uh, I don't know, Richard's $350. Is that sound? Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think we know that's exactly right. what it is, but. Right. That's, that's enough. So then the payment that the seller is getting from that, from her borrower is let's say exactly $350 more than what she has to pay on her underlying debt. So then if she has to come up with that money or she has to pay it from what that borrower is making. So let's say that payment is uh, $500 that she owes uh, this, this bank, the mm-hmm. underlying debt. And then she's getting um, $850 from her borrower of just principal and interest. So then she's using all of that money to pay. I'm just, these aren't exact yeah. numbers, but she's using all that money to pay for that mortgage plus the taxes and insurance. Then she really has nothing left over. She's kind of paying the taxes and insurance for the borrower when the borrower is supposed to be paying extra on top of that to pay for the taxes and insurance. Right. So right. how far does she get behind? Um, which one? <laughs> the underlying note since it wasn't being paid for a while. And I think she, you said she realized it after a while that it, she wasn't collecting for taxes and insurance or she knew it the whole time. And she just, yeah, kind so of she was $14,000 short on the wow. taxes and insurance. So that's what she had to come out of pocket because this was getting foreclosed on the first mortgage, the right. underlying mortgage for the seller that was getting foreclosed on. Well, it wasn't the mortgage. It was, it was a tax lien sale. It was a tax lien sale. Okay. Right. Right, because the taxes weren't being paid. So that's even more dangerous. Right? Exactly, because it primes the yes. – and, and I should – you know, I think some listeners out there might be saying, well, this is kind of complex, and, and it is, but this is a good cautionary tale. I think a lot of people um, really get out there and herald it doing raps. And they say, oh, yeah. raps are the best thing in the world, and da 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 This is a cautionary tale. Yes. You've got – Somebody who made a wrap, they've got to make payments, and their wrap and the, the person that they sold the house to isn't making payments. So they're getting squeezed by not getting the income that they need, plus the taxes and insurance aren't being paid, plus they've still got to make payments out of their on their, their own primary. So right. You know, take note. <laughs> take note. So in order for that tax lien not to be enforced, mm-hmm. right? They have to pay off that tax lien holder mm-hmm. and have to pay them with a little bit of interest. So that's why that number is, we'll just call it 15,000 out there. Right. So this seller is obviously upset, right? Mm-hmm. They feel like they're squeezed from both sides. They don't have a lot of uh, uh, enforceability they perceive as to move forward to, because this borrower's kind of saying, eh, I'm not going to pay the taxes and insurance. That's kind of your problem. It sounds like that's how they see it. Yeah, there's, she's abusing the situation. We don't we don't know why she's abusing it, but my suspicion is she just thinks she can get a whole away with it, so she's abusing it. 
So now we have this story. And so this changes the picture and the dynamic of the situation. So if we were just performing note investors only, and that was our business model, Richard, we'd probably say, okay, we understand this really is not a good situation for you, but there's nothing really we can do about it because that's not the business that we're in. But we'll take these opportunities because this is an opportunity for us to really help the seller, number one. And then number two, we can also get this borrower back on track by just changing the position of really the team that you're playing, right? So she was going against a team that was kind of like a minor league team, a little bit unsophisticated, not really a professional team. And now they're going to go up against a professional team. And then they don't have a lot of choices because we understand the ramifications and we know how to enforce these rules and stuff based on the deed of trust that they signed or whatever land contract, whatever they signed. Right. So as you know, a lot of the non-performing paper that we find um, is due to divorces, not divorces that happened yesterday, but ones that maybe happened a year ago or five years ago or or whatever. And the exes get into dispute. They're tired of dealing with each other, um, whatever. But um, one person isn't paying the other one party isn't paying. It happens with brothers and sisters happens with um, all these beneficent people who say, gee, Mr. X worked for me for a long time. So I'm going to make him a zero percent mortgage or whatever. And then they, they take advantage of that. So when you change the parties, what, what we are buying is a non-performing loan. As soon as the, the payor realizes basically that, there's a new sheriff in town and the sheriff in town is not going to take all this stuff. Then all of a sudden you've got a very nice performing note on your hands. Voila. Yeah. So you bought, so the arbitrage for us or anybody like this is that you're buying a non-performing note and getting a performing note. And you can, <clears throat> by definition, it's tough to say if it's performing stuff or not performing because it's kind of in this nuance area where they're making a payment, but it's not, a full payment because they're still responsible for taxes and insurance because in the documentation of the security instrument that they signed the borrower, they are still in default if they don't make those payments, even if they're making their principal interest payment is what I'm trying to say. Right. If they're not making the taxes and insurance payment or keeping it up in this, in the owner of the note or the note holder has to advance that for you. Mm-hmm. We're still in breach of that contract. Right. So by definition, this is a non-performing loan, even though you see cash flow coming in monthly. So it's kind of a unicorn non-performing loan. Yeah. And you don't know really if that person is going to respect the fact that there's a new sheriff in town. They may True. just say, well, you know, sorry. And you have to foreclose. But your risk of a, of a larger gain um, is very, very high. And as, as you said, you're taking the, the non-performing no, you're resolving somebody's situation yeah. amicably for them, but you're profitably profiting highly from that. Right. So there is an underlying asset, a property that's worth, <clears throat> let's just say three times as much as the first underlying mortgage that the note holder is actually paying on. <clears throat> the right. borrower still owes, let's just say a hundred, 110, <coughs> excuse me thousand dollars on a property that's worth 150. Okay. So there's a lot of equity they already have into it. So the situation is really good. If we're patient and we can just 
wait it out and go through the proper enforcement clauses that we're allowed to in the security instrument, you know, things will right the ship pretty quickly. And if they don't, well, we have a situation to where we, we have um, pretty low skin in the game versus what the value of what the house is worth and what the borrower owes in general. So it's worth it for us to go through some headaches and, and that's the game that we're willing to play. So we're able to help kind of correct the situation. And then once we have it corrected, which we're pretty confident that it can get corrected, uh, we have an asset that we can sell to somebody that'll be a really strong uh, performing asset, or it's just going to turn into an REO and we can resell our finance it to someone else uh, locally in that area. Right. So actually, though, you know, as we're talking about this, I think we should start a new adjunct <clears throat> business to what we have, which is okay. call ourselves the note therapists. The note so, therapists. That's right. So we can work out these situations with people, right? We can. Because that's kind of what you're doing. You're They're on the couch. You're really on the phone, right? But they're right. on the couch and they're talking to you and they're telling you their their story and their situation. And it's, sometimes it's unfortunate. The person you're talking to on the phone is having financial troubles and they they foresee this as being a huge problem that they can't they can't get out of. And then we're able to hear throw them a safety net and say, hey, look, you know, you can come out of this unscathed because it'll fit just about what we need to do based on the the interference we're going to have with the borrower to get them to ship righted. And if they don't, we feel like we have uh, enough money in the deal to where we're not going to be hurt that much. So we're willing to take that walk with them and, and to figure it out. Right. <clears throat> Very good. So Richard, you also had another situation to where the seller of a note um, or the, or the, the borrower of a note was had a lot of emotion uh, involved in this, in a deal. And I don't want to spoil it because I want you to explain it because I don't want to butcher it up because I don't remember all the details of it, but it had to do with a daycare. And was this in California? Yeah, this is a daycare in, in California. And this couple had uh, taken this uh, 1910 house, I think a uh, big old Victorian house and turned it into a Nito Kino uh, daycare. And it really looked pretty cool. If you pull it up today on the, on the web and look at it, you go, wow, I'd really like my kid to, to go there. But the pandemic came along. Um, as you know, daycares all got shut down all across the country because you couldn't have a whole bunch of little kids in one room and they had no income. So they very smartly um, kept their debt service current, yeah. but they shorted their taxes and insurance, knowing that uh, the city would be lenient with them and the, and the state on their, their property taxes. Okay. Okay. So I actually encountered them through a trustee of a bank, the holder of the note died. Okay. And this uh, trustee had no idea what to do with a private mortgage. And he said, look, can you help us? And I said, sure. As a matter of fact, I'll buy it from you. So to make a long story short, because uh, it did end up being about a nine month story. Uh, I bought the note at a very, very steep discount um, because it was, Short on the on the taxes and insurance. Once the bank realized that they were short, they had to, per their trusteeship, bring it current before the note could be sold. Okay. So, um, the bank had paid the taxes insurance, which was about, I think, almost twenty thousand dollars. I discounted the note, um, another uh, forty six thousand dollars. Okay. And when I got ready to buy the note, um, I had a 
you know, potentially a $76,000 gain. Well, un- so what's, what's, what's the emotional part? The emotional part is this is this people's livelihood. Okay. They, they've had all, they were known in the community as being the very, you know, best place to go. Um, uh, all this, nobody knew about the fact that the taxes and all this weren't being paid. Before you go any further, let me dive in and ask a question. <clears throat> so, the taxes insurance weren't being paid. Was there any fear at any point that this was going to be taken from them? Like, I know there's a certain timeline where you need to pay that that back when you get delinquent on that stuff. I'm not sure what it is in California. So, was, were you well, running into that timeline? Everything was messed up because of the pandemic. Okay. And yeah. Yes, they were coming up close. They were two years behind. They were coming up very close to that in California. Okay. But everybody was being lenient. Matter of fact, the bank wasn't collecting all the debt service for a, a, a while. Okay. Um, because the heir had, had died. So they had a whole lot of emotion in this. And I had actually offered to refinance the deal for them before I realized all their, their dire straits. And I had an investor lined up and I would have made a nice little brokerage fee, but nothing close to what I was going to make. Right. So meanwhile, they spoke to a local broker who knew the property very well um, and uh, was able to uh, arrange private financing for them and paid them off in full. So I held the note for almost two weeks. Okay. <laughs> and had bought it at a $76,000 discount. Um, so it was a nice payday. So how did, how did you get, um, tell me again, how you got the note. Uh, how did you sell the note? Did you, once you had it, they were reperforming the borrowers reperforming again. And you didn't have to sell the note. They, they, they unbeknownst to me, they arranged to have the property refinanced. So they, they knew that the maturity was up. They had to, and they, they didn't want to deal with me because they didn't like my offer basically. And they had a, a in quotes, local friend, which we run into quite often mm-hmm. who said he could, he could finance it for him. And he did find a deep pocket investor for them who was local, who knew the property, who had the background, who trusted them and everything. And um, as we know, real estate is local. And so it's much easier to find money for, for local projects. So as far as they were concerned, they were just paying off past due debt. Right. And they had to pay off all the taxes and insurance. They had to pay off all the past debt service coverage. And when you added all that up, that was far, far in excess of what I paid for the note. So did you have to transfer a service to a different servicer or it happened so quickly that you didn't even have time to transfer it? I didn't, I didn't have to transfer it. The, the, the bank was servicing it themselves at the time. Okay. And no, I never even, it, it literally happened in two weeks. So when did you know that they were getting the loan refinanced? <clears throat> at what point? After you bought it or before? right before you bought it? Two weeks and a day before I bought it. Okay. So your game plan became more exciting because you, you had predicted what could happen and it kind of came true. <clears throat> yeah. So I had already contracted and I had, a, had, a, had built in a month's review period on the note, underwriting period. And I already had a contract with the bank. This was probably two weeks before um, they gave us the payoff offer. Yeah. The bank didn't know the payoff offer was coming. I didn't know it was it was coming. And suddenly I got a call from the bank and they said, uh, are you still going to do this deal? 
I said, yes. And they said, well, we have a payoff notice for, you know, in full. And right. they were stuck. Yeah. They were stuck because they had, they had agreed to sell it to me per contract. So this is a great lesson. And this is why you get stuff in writing when you have exclusivity to buy and sell something. So right. when this, when something like this happens, you're already in the middle of the transaction. So it can't escape from you. And you're right. just sitting in a situation to where it's even better for you. Right. And the emotions were so high from the, they were, they were so motivated from the um, daycare owner's standpoint. I mean, they put tons of money into this building. It was their business. They had their place in the community. I mean, emotional equity was huge in this. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Richard, thanks for sharing those little case studies here. I know they, um, this doesn't happen on every deal for those of you that are listening or watching. <laughs> no, but when they do happen, they're, they're interesting because we do honestly try to figure out how can we help the seller? Uh, because we know it will be passed forward to us and in, in sometime in the future. If, if we keep continuing to help people out with not thinking about the money first, uh, but the money will come and they come in unique ways. And these two case studies show you how, you know, you can take a situation you can really help somebody out and, and, and get them going in the right direction. So it, it behooved you to network with these, um, this bank trustee, right? At some point in your career, you had, you knew this bank trustee and that's why they contacted you. So you definitely had been forefront in their mind because you do something so unique that they said, Oh my gosh, I got this situation. Let me call Richard Thornton to see if, if he can tell me what to do. And be notes to him, you know, you were able to buy that deal from him. Right. So if you want to be a note investor, uh, uh, bank trustees can be a, a source, yeah. But I won't. Don't count on it by any means. I mean, you're gonna <laughs> right. you're gonna con- you're gonna send a drip campaign to a hundred banks, and just you know, m- you might get a deal or two a year yeah. out of it. But what effort did you put into it? You got to know them. You put a drip in, yeah. and so. That's kind of what it is networking in the note business. There's there's people that I've ran into four or five years ago that may pick up the phone and call me or send me an email and say, hey, I remember meeting you at such and such event a couple of years ago, and I had this situation and blah, blah, blah. Like I got a phone call yesterday from a guy that I had sold a couple of loans to, and he has uh, several rentals still in his portfolio. And he said, you know what? The, the renter, the tenant um, came up to me and said, I'd like to buy this house from you. And then he's this investor is thinking like, I, Justin, I want to be the bank on this property. That sounds better than being the landlord. So he was talking with me and we were just trying to show him how, you know, you can turn this into a note and then you can keep it for cash flow or you can Mm -hmm. sell a note or you can sell a part of the note. Like you have a lot of control and you can keep away from that, that nasty word of, you know, capital gains. So keep away from most of that as well. Mm-hmm. So it's always a good situation if you just think about it and you get the story. The devil is in the details, right, Richard? Right. right. All right, Richard. Thanks for being on episode number twenty today. Don't forget to check out the Bright Path Notes YouTube channel so you can see the video cast of this episode today and all the episodes before that. So until next time, we'll see you guys. See you, Justin. See you, man. Thanks for listening to Be the Bank. We hope you learned something from today's show. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us. Plus, check out our Bright Path Notes channel on YouTube and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Be The Bank and on Instagram at Be The Bank Podcast. Be The Bank is sponsored by Bright Path Notes. Thanks again for listening.